Good afternoon, Rob Small. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good, Lawrence Fedor. How are you doing, man? Doing all right? I'm doing fine. And I'd like to thank everybody to uh, Living the Dream, a podcast designed to help people to live a life based on their passions and to go for uh, entrepreneurship based on their passions as well. Uh, with us today, we have uh, Robert Small. Uh, Robert Small is an artist, a community worker, an entrepreneur. And uh, from having his artwork published in a citywide newspaper at 16 years old to having his artwork in 20 TTC subways location across Toronto as an adult, artist Robert Small's artistic art accomplishments continue to grow each year. As a 2016 Harry Jerome winner and a recent recipient of the Jackie Robinson Fortitude Award in 2017, Robert Small is constantly being recognized for playing a significant role in promoting African Canadian art. Uh, Robert has also, Robert Small is also the founder of ACES, which is an African Canadian Entrepreneur for Success, uh, which is an organization committed to promoting entrepreneurship to the African Canadian community. Wow, that's a lot of stuff, Robert. Uh, I know. Even I was getting bored hearing it. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you would like to tell me about yourself and about your company? Yeah, well, you know, that, is, that bio pretty much will soak up all the air in the room, but I'll, I'll, tell, I'll, <laughs> try, I'll, I'll try adding some more, right? Uh, well, basically, well, and related back to what you, uh, the tone of your podcast, Living the Dream, I think that uh, with my company, it's a, basically the fruition of my own personal dreams of when I was younger to the man that I am now, right? And basically, okay. I've always, I've always, I, I, I've, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be, get, draw Spider-Man and the Hulk, but you don't tell your Caribbean parents that, right? Who just went <laughs> to Barbados with like $500 in their pocket, and they feel that they're sacrificing their life for, for you to make have a better life than they did. And then you tell them mm -hmm. that you want to fight, you want to draw Spider-Man fighting the Green Goblin, right? That ain't going to go go over too well, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, so basically, uh, how I, the one thing I would say about my company now, that although I'm a far cry from being in New York drawing the Hulk and Wolverine, you know, I do mm -hmm. use my artwork in order to educate the Black community specifically and the wider community about the accomplishments of African people worldwide, so. Okay. So uh, you talked about like the struggle that you had or uh, actually some of the objection that you had uh, initially uh, with telling your parents um, who are immigrant parents who uh, have that same immigrant dream that a lot of parents would have for their children to come here, make a better life for them. Um, but being an artist is not usually one of the things that a lot of parents would have in store for, the, uh, for, their, for their children. So how were you able to uh, gain the confidence needed to pursue art as your business? Well, I think, you know, I can't, I'd like to say that, you know, my parents were really supportive and, uh, you know, my teacher gave me an art award and stuff like that. And I was just on my way, mm -hmm. but it really didn't happen like that. My, my parents, you know, and due to no fault of their own, because I would, you have to think about it in hindsight. Like I could, I could pine and say that, Oh, my parents didn't support me. But as an artist, like, oh, 25 years ago, the only route to success uh -huh. would be to get people to purchase your paintings for a high amount of money, okay. right? And how our, our parents, our parents uh, viewed artists from the Caribbean 
was the guy at the side of the street, you know, selling his wares, okay. and he didn't really want to, get, and he didn't really want to get a, a real job, right? Yeah. Like back in the Caribbean, like that's how they perceive it. So, so are you saying and, perception was their reality? Sorry, Swinga. Were you saying that their perception was their reality? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they couldn't see like the possibilities of becoming anything different than what they think of an artist as. Right? Mm-hmm. So really, so a couple with that, and then also like the, I went to I went to my secondary school was predominantly um, various nationalities, but predominantly Jewish. So that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. But just to, just really to, to say that black people were the minority at the school, mm-hmm. right? And I specifically had this one teacher who, like, valued, like, artistic ability from top to bottom. And he was always encouraging, like, every other nationality except me, right? And and I was, like, one of the few, like, Black people that were good at art at my school. Mm-hmm. And he, like, deemed, somehow deemed me unworthy because, you know, for one reason or another, Right. But meanwhile, back to the ranch, I was better a better artist than than majority of people in the class. Okay, right. So, so it's good. It's been a con. So, I think uh, with respect to going back to the theme of your podcast, it's really you know, for dreams to become a reality, you yourself have to think it is real. Right? Okay. So I always so regardless, even though at 18, 20, 18 or twenty two, I didn't really think that one day I'd be doing my art as a career. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, I knew that I was a good artist and that somehow I was going to get to somewhere where, to a place where I value my art, my artistry mm-hmm. as well as feel fulfilled in my own life. And I feel like I'm at that place now. OK, so um, I know that, uh, as you just stated, that you feel that you're at uh, the place that you always wanted to be. But with uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, we have our ups and our downs. We have our, our struggles and our hardships. Um, so can you tell me, uh, like, even though you had, like, quite a, uh, quite a bit of success as an entrepreneur, can you tell me the time that you struggled the most in your business? Um, what was that experience like? And, um, yeah, just tell me what was the greatest struggle that you experienced as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think the, bi- I think the biggest struggle was uh, an internal one, right? An internal one co- and also combating the external factors that were around me. Um, and there, there are different external factors as you, as when you, from when you begin your, your pursuit of your own entrepreneurial endeavors and your own dreams. Mm-hmm. And even until this very day. So let's say if I just to go back to when I was 20, right? It, this podcast is only for an hour, so I can't go back further. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, one day I, you know, I can't go into that. But um, with regarding to, you know, when I first started getting into my entrepreneurship, I really wasn't, I really didn't think of it as something that would be a career, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'd kind of convinced myself of that. I kind of said, yeah, you know, I like doing this poster. I do my artwork. You know, I earn a little bit extra money, but I have my full-time job. So the, the money that I get from, my, from this is just gravy, right? So I didn't really say, th- I really didn't think of it as something that I would be doing on a daily basis. I didn't think I was capable of sustaining myself. Okay. But, uh, one, day I was, but one day I was working for the uh, YMCA Black Achievers Program. Okay. And at the same time, I was creating this poster, which I gave the fancy title of 
the official Black History Month poster, right? Because <laughs> I, I was straight out of university and juiced off a Louis Farrakhan tape, <laughs> right? So, you know, so I decided to call it something big and something like that would get people's attention, right? But then over the course of time, like I started and I was selling it to school boards for like five dollars. Okay. Right. At first I was I was first I was giving it for free because I didn't even think someone would buy it, right? So I started giving it uh, selling it for five dollars. And uh my my annual salary at the YMCA was like forty thousand dollars at the time. We're talking like thirty years ago or so not sorry, twenty years ago. Okay. So, right. So yeah. So and then, like, I was making like eight thousand off of the the poster. Okay. Right. Just selling it, ca- just selling it casually, right? And I kind of said to myself, "Yeah, but you know, if I like the YMCA, and no knock on the YMCA, they're, they're great to me, <laughs> right? But they're but they're they're giving me forty, and they have my time every day for the whole year. Okay. But this poster that I'm just doing casually, like a one off, one hour. Two hours one day, one hour the other. You know, I'm making like one fifth of what they're giving me, and that I'm not even dedicating one fifth of my time to this, mm-hmm. right? So I got so mathematically the internal battle like just was solved for me because it kind of said, "Well, Robert, that doesn't make sense, right?" To continue working for them because if you put your all into it, you could exceed what they're giving you and have all the time to yourself, okay. right? And that's and that's and that's when my dream, a uh, dormant dream that everybody has about being independent, suddenly be, started to become more real because the numbers showed me that that was possible. But I just had to find a way, okay. right? So, con- so consequently, when I jumped over that hurdle and I went into entrepreneurship for myself, then I really had to, you know, apply what I was thought of myself to what can actually happen, right? So. And so then that's what I've been doing. And so even though there's still obstacles that appear in the way, and I won't, and what I'm just about to say, I wouldn't describe it as an obstacle, but negatively, but it's something that you have to overcome. When you have children, then there's the quote unquote financial obstacles that you have to jump over that's added, as well as the personal ones related to having children and having to fulfill their needs mm-hmm. and not having your dream and not having your dream come at the at, at in con- come in conflict you with your role as a parent or specifically a father in my circumstance right so how are you able to juggle um how are you able to juggle the financial expectations as uh as a role as being a father with uh trying to fulfill your dream of being uh an entrepreneur and fulfilling a lot of the things that you've always thought about since you were a child well i think i think the one thing that i've learned over the course of the team is that you have to adapt right and you have to adapt and be and be real with yourself Mm -hmm. like and going back to when i said that the numbers showed me that i can be an entrepreneur it's also that the the numbers would have to show me where when i have to pick up the pace and several years ago i i you know i said to myself that hey my kids are ever going to go to university and to live the life that i want them to live which is a better life than me i have to pick up the pace on what i do okay so how'd you pick up that and uh yeah, so consequently, I went back to teacher's college for a year, well, for eight months. You know, it was, it was crazy getting up at that. I know this This is like nobody's complaint, 
but like I used to just waking up at seven o'clock in the morning to get somewhere at nine o'clock was like stressful for me. Wow. Especially when you've been working for yourself for like, <laughs> so I was so stressed, right? And I, my, my, my friends had no sympathy for me, right? Like I would get, I had to go, God, I had to get there from like nine o'clock on the dot, right? <laughs> wow, you really live in the world of an artist, eh? Exactly, exactly, right? You know, so right so right then, I said to myself, just based on that alone, I kind of said to myself, you know what, this gig is not full-time at all, right? Okay. But the one thing that it did provide me is that I, I correct, but it was a great learning experience because in order to evolve as a business or even as an artist and an entrepreneur, it taught me from the inside of what teachers want you know, mm-hmm. in their classroom. And since I already sell to school boards, it made me a lot more capable of creating something that would cater to them and sell them. And consequently, I made these uh, ebooks that focus on the African experience and teach them uh, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Okay. I have I have downloads that people can download off of my site, afroebooks.com. And uh, that that changed the course of my business and, and, and forge a pathway for the rest of, for, for a good 10 years of my life, uh, you know, together. So then I, I'll know which direction to go. So I, so along with the posters, I'm doing these books and my objective is to increase the amount of books I have online for like 20 to 25 and sell them around the world. Right. Whereas with my poster, I was limited uh-huh. on my reach because I'm not going to mail a $15 poster to Venezuela, right? So, okay. yeah. So, what was the thing that helped you to go through that transition of that lowest point of your um, of your entrepreneurial life to the path that you uh, that you're on right now? What was the the magical uh, light bulb, if you like to say, that helped you to make that transition? Because for a lot of people, if they go back to uh, teachers' college. They're basically giving up their dream and then they will never go back to being a full-time artist ever again. Yeah. Well, what was I, I, you went through to make it so, so to where you are now? Well, I, I think, I think myself, I think the one thing that's, that's I would give as advice to keeping your dreams your focus is not to let other people convince you that other paths are more glorious than the path you're already on. So when I went to teacher's college, I was very, even though I wouldn't say it, but I don't want to you know, be dis- disrespectful to anybody, but I never was really, ever thinking about becoming a teacher full time, right? Okay. So I, I, I was thinking that maybe part time I could do it when I'm, when I'm bored, I don't feel it, like it, it, right? Like being at home by myself, right? But okay. um, the one thing that was, I went there was to think of a way that I could make my business better. And for me, you know, I, I would never go back to working for somebody because it's ideologically, it's not, it doesn't make sense because I sell posters that I created in 2002 in 1995 still, right? Consequently, I, I decide to myself, it's a lot easier for me to trade, not to trade hours for money, but money for, not to trade uh, time for money yes but have but have that time the time that you but spend the least amount of time on something and get paid for it several times over okay. so i would never have to paint my posters again 
these ebooks online, I'll never have to uh, create them again. But they're still making me money, even though I made them years ago. So I would never trade time for money by go by once again going to somebody and say I'll work one hour for, and give me thirty dollars. Then I'll work another hour and make me thirty dollars. When I could easily try just for an hour to get two people to buy two posters from me at home, right? Okay. So yeah, yeah. So do you understand that what I just said? Pardon? Do you understand what I just said? Oh, yeah, I, I do understand the whole concept of for time and money. And uh, it's one of the things that a lot of people uh, aspire to do. But it also leads in, into my next question. How did you come up with your, your pricing to understand what your hour is worth? Because a lot of times, a lot, a lot of times when people go into a whole entrepreneurial field, one of the mistakes that they make or one of the uh, challenges that they have is how they price themselves. Yeah, and, and I think that there's a big that's a big problem among artists specifically because there's no template for them to operate from. Okay. But the one advice I give the one sorry, did you say something or no no I I agreed with you. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. You know, so the one thing that I the one thing that I always use as a measuring stick for my artwork and I tell people this all the time. Is that if you're if you're working at the Royal Bank or T, or TD Canada Trust or even the the Loblaws down the, or a supermarket down the street, they're giving you like a, a a set wage for the hour that you work. Okay. Right. So I always I always tell artists that you have to give yourself a certain wage per hour, and then how many hours you spend on that that that's what that painting's worth. Okay. Right. So if you spend ten hour ten hours. And you give yourself fifty. Even if you give yourself fifty dollars an hour, that still just comes out to five hundred dollars, right? So you can't you can't price a painting like two thousand dollars because you feel like it, or your visa bill is one thousand nine hundred, right? You know, like you have to have some type of rationale for the pricing that you give to a painting. Okay. So you can add on. So if you spend ten hours on it. You know, uh, and with the five hundred, yeah, you can tack on two hundred dollars because you think that you're going to be somebody someday. But it has to be realistic, right? So, to me, I really and also like I don't think that I think that people make the mistake of relating money to their worth, but but and also that their creativity has a certain amount of value, which it does, right? But once again, what's the value of your dream? And if your and if your dream is something that you want to accomplish at any cost sometimes lowering the price on something would get you to that dream faster than it would if you didn't lower it. So take my eBooks, for example, I created 10,000, 10, of them. Okay. Uh, twice. Right. And I, I said, you know what, let me just sell them for $2 this first time around because it's an introductory concept. So I sold 10,000 of them in one month, in a month and a half. Oh, congratulations. Right. Yeah. You know, but would I have sold it if I priced it at what people tell me that you should have priced it at ten dollars or five or whatever? Five possibly, right? Hmm. But ten, probably not, right? And then I'd be staring at like like forty boxes down in my basement, wondering what the hell did I do? But you know, trying to if I was an idiot to think that I could sell ten thousand booklets in one month okay. at ten dollars, right? You know, but Mio back of the ranch, if I just was was a little bit humble and thought more about the dream I have of staying home and watching 
and painting while I'm watching TV rather than the money, then doing what I did makes my dream more possible, oh. right? So, and, and consequently, I can always increase the price, but I can't lower it, right? So I can always increase the price to $5.10, which I'm gradually going to do. Mm-hmm. But at least you have a template to operate from that you know that something successful happened already. So I still have the confidence that next year, yeah, I can sell, I can sell ten thousand of them at two dollars easy, right? Because I know that now. But you know, and so consequently, it's a matter of marketing and getting to sell a hundred thousand in the same time period, right? Okay. And that's where, and that's the and the money is not a, is not a, is a means towards an end not an end of itself. And that's the problem that I think that some people have. And I think the money is the end, right? So, so um, that's my, so that's my speech, right? So, so basically you're saying like the most important thing is to understand how you want to live as opposed to just the financial reward in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, when you're talented, the money will find The money will definitely find you because you'll stick out. Right. But once again, if I'm if I was focusing on the monetary benefit more so than the quality of the work, then that's when things go. Then that's when things start going astray in my in my opinion, right? So okay, that's pretty uh, pretty interesting to uh, think about. So how do you come up? How do you come up with the various different types of uh, streams of income that you would uh, utilize as your entrepreneurial endeavor? Like it. Like even like even if you call it your podcast Lennox's two cents, right? Uh-huh. People start laughing and say, "Yeah, it's two, it's two cents," but it literally is more the marketing of it than the actual value of it of what you just said, okay. right? Because every yeah, you know, so there's always a way to find. I'm not saying that's going to be better or worse than what you've called it already, mm-hmm. right? Of course, what you've said is very inspirational, and I value that, right? But, you know, it's a matter of finding a way and trying different things, especially in this time. Okay. You know, you can't use templates that your our grandmother or our fathers are using and thinking they're going to be successful now. Now, you know, kids who are younger than us are getting paid, like, millions of dollars for shopping at a dollar store, right? So, and broadcasting it, so you never know. Okay. So, uh, so streams of income for you, is just like, just figure out what the market wants and then takes it from there. Yeah. What, what the market wants, or once again, your own intuition about what the market would possibly buy. Right. So consequently, okay. books, they're, yeah, they're very cartoonish and they have black characters. So consequently, not a lot of people see that. So I, I would even though I don't have any market research to tell me that, mm-hmm. but my t- own intuition and also based on my experience working in the black community, that would make me propel to say, hey, this is an idea that I think can work, right? Okay. So what is next for Robert Small Enterprises? Yeah, well, what's, what's next for, you know, my, what, I, what I'm doing? And, and my company's called Legacy Enterprises, right? Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do what I really want to do is have everything related to the title of, of my company, which is legacy, okay. right? Predominantly. And consequently, like with my posters, as well as these eBooks, like I'm positioning it in the, in respect that even if I don't become a millionaire off of my work, given the next 30 or 40 years, how it unravels, mm-hmm. but 
my but my children will be left with a legacy that some of the, that one of them could possibly figure out the puzzle mm-hmm. that I left, you know, unfinished. Okay, right, and they and they could take my business to another level. So then they never see poverty again, right? Because consequently, they don't have to. You can't hand somebody a job. You can't put it in your will. You know, hey, I'm the CEO of this company, and I. Uh, and even though I don't own the company, I want my son to be part of it, to be the CEO, okay. right? Yes. It does. It doesn't work like that. When you when you pass away, you know, unless your your family owns the company, your your son, you can't will your your job to nobody, right? But you can start like a legacy to be left to your kids, and that's what I'm just trying to do, and and really inspires me, you know, and and draws and makes me more passionate about what I'm doing. Because it, 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 it's a possibility that you, what you're doing right now could not only make a difference for your children, but can actually be like a living legacy for your ge- generations of your family to, to have based upon what you did, you know. And so I'm kind of looking forward to becoming someone's great grandfather to see how that all unravels and if I was right. You know, so. All right, Robert. Uh, do you have any uh, words of advice for any of our budding entrepreneurs? Yeah, what I would say that despite how passionate you might feel about what you're doing, that having financial planning, having a will, and all these other things are not distracted, are not something that you're doing that distracts away from what you want to accomplish in life. It's not meaning that you're giving up, right? It's about protecting yourself mm-hmm. just in case something happens that you that you didn't plan for, right? You know, so that's pretty much that's well, that's pretty much well what I what I would advise, right? And always to do something in your something that you'll be confident that you can do for the rest of your life and be and be happy doing, right? The last thing you want to do is to trade one unhappy job for another. <laughs> and where can we find you, Robert? Um, email, website. Yeah, you could contact me at rsmall at aces uh, at acesontario.com. Hmm. My website is www.afroebooks.com. And my secondary, uh, my other website is www.thelegacyposter.com, where you can see my artwork. Thank you very much, Robert. That's, that's taken over the country. <laughs> Thank you very much, Robert, for uh, participating in this podcast. And uh, thank you, audience, for listening as well. So Live in the Dream with Robert Small and as hosted by Lennox Kador. Thank you all and have a good night. Thank you.